Thank you for listening to Steel Roses, a podcast for women by women. My name is Jenny. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to bring you inspiring content in a space where we can still be real about the everyday challenges for women. Cousins, so before jumping into our first full topic, I think we should explain what this podcast is and who it's for. I admit I'm a podcast listener. And if you look, there's a lot of working mom podcasts out there. There's a lot of podcasts for professional women, for the female executive, um, podcasts that target women's mental health. But there's really not a lot of podcasts out there tackling a variety of these topics and how they interact with one another. And I think women are dealing with these issues, not neatly compartmentalized, but we're sort of kind of at the intersection of the of these things, you know? Right, exactly. And again, as Melissa mentioned, we actually both listen to other podcasts. So we know there's tons of podcasts out there, but why this one? Why is this one important? We really want to provide relatable information. We're not experts. Um, you know, we're not, you know, with the stars, like we don't have nannies or maids or, you know, I'm going to pause for a minute because if I could, I would have said it. More power to you. (laughs) Can't wait to be able to do that. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Personal chef, I'm all in. Um, But we do want to provide relatable content to everybody. We want everyone to feel like this is a place for me and I can relate to these people and this information. Um, This podcast is going to be based on real life experiences, real life challenges. And, you know, we're not experts. We're not healthcare professionals. we really are just striving to bring you information to show you that you're not in this alone. We're all in this together. And on that note, we also want to create a safe space. Um, this podcast, we, we hope that for everyone that listens, they come away from this podcast feeling like I, I've got this. I, I hear these women talking and I know what they're going through and I can relate to this. And this podcast makes me feel good afterwards because it's something that I, I'm hearing and it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And that's really what we want to, um, we want everyone to take away from this. Exactly. And we will, like we said, we are not um, experts on every topic that we talk about. We're going to bring in factual information um, or we'll bring in the experts themselves and how explain the experiences uh, that we're sharing uh, and help us understand these everyday issues um, just like our listeners would. Uh, so so that's exactly that's exactly what we're trying to do here. make something that's relatable that the average sort of woman is facing. All right, so with all that said, now let's get into it. So cousin, one of my closest friends, as you know, just had her first baby. And um, about two weeks in, she called me and she was like, how is this so hard? And she said it twice. How is this so hard? And it really made me flashback to that first month that my daughter was born. And I remember just one night, laying in bed, looking at the ceiling and thinking, wow, I completely underestimated what motherhood was going to be like. And then my secondary thought was, will I ever be alone for a minute (laughs) again? (laughs) No, never. (laughs) And you know, that transition was a bit of a shock to me. So I was right in the middle of my PhD. I just finished my uh, independent research. 
And I was in the beginning uh, stages of writing. So that's the point where you have to be crazy self-sufficient and independent in order to progress, right, in the program. And they went from that to, boom, having this tiny little person reliant on me 24-7 and having to be with someone else 24-7. And it took me, it really did take me a little bit of time to get a handle on that shift, you know? You know, I think that that's very normal for a lot of moms and a lot of women experience that, but just don't really talk about it. Um, probably because it's just not talked about in a really public form kind of way. Um, part of the challenge of the transition to motherhood is the expectations we have going into it. And if you don't meet those expectations, you ultimately just feel like a failure. You're, you know, that's it. You feel like you failed um, while you're pregnant and even way before you get pregnant. Um, growing up in our society today, there's all these notions about being a mom and having a baby and the pictures and the media really paint this really glossy, positive <laughs> butterflies and sunshine um, image about what it's like. So essentially, you get two options when you're seeing what a mother is like. You're either the glossy, positive, you know, euphoric person who wears stilettos and didn't gain any baby weight. <laughs> and you're like, just it always has a smile on her. Yeah. Oh, is always smiling, always smiling and happy. Or you're like hot mess express and <laughs> you, you can't take care of yourself. Kids are a mess. Babies are crying. It's terrible. You're um, <laughs> but you know, the thing that like always troubles me and the thing that actually comes to mind a lot for me personally, like when I see these things, is like, okay, that's, you know, I get it. It's funny. It's comical. This is why they're presenting it this way. In none of these images in media, in movies, nobody addresses mental health challenges after giving birth. Well, no, it's not fun to talk about that. It's not, it's not funny. It, but that's a huge part of what women deal with after expanding their families. And because no one talks about it, it is unexpected. And the impact is a lot stronger because you just weren't prepared for it. Yes. No, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Um, so, okay, wait, what were the top three things that you were told about motherhood before having your first? And then I'll tell you mine. <laughs> Where do I begin? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, okay. So here, here I, I actually have a, I have a couple here. So um, number one, now you have a real purpose to fulfill in life. And everyone who's listening, who knows me, and if you don't know me, you will eventually get to know me. Saying something like that is like vinegar coming out of my mouth because <laughs> I do not. I'm like the exact opposite of that notion. Um, number two is. You will not miss your pre-baby life, which I don't know where that comes from. Um, number three is read the baby books and you will feel totally prepared. And I'm going to be honest, I fell for that one like a bag of rocks. And I just really, and you know, I, I used to wax philosophical on how to take care of babies and what my method was going to be. And that went out the window within the first like 10 minutes. Like I'm going like, to yeah. be real here. Survival, right? Basically, yeah. Everything. It's my, uh, my motto. And um, number four for me, and this one's, uh, this one's loaded. So um, <laughs> we, we're going to dig into this. Um, your relationship with your partner won't be affected 
And if anything, having a baby will bring you closer together. Now, uh, <laughs> I know that's that's a volatile one. <laughs> that's a volatile one. I know not everyone will feel um, the same way, but that's the whole point. We don't think everyone's going to feel this way and no one's, you know, we are not expecting that everyone will agree with us, but we want to get the information out on the table. Uh, Melissa, what about you? Okay. Yeah. The top, probably the top sort of, um, you know, expectations that I had about motherhood based on what I heard from others was, uh, number one, this magical state of motherhood that you will immediately fall in love with your new life and everything's sort of going to be this mystical type of of atmosphere that it's happening in the moment you know uh number two uh that breastfeeding is simple um Mm. that this notion that your body will innately know what to do once you have a baby uh yeah, no, that was not my experience. And that probably set me up for for uh, some um, postpartum anxiety. So we'll <laughs> I bet. And then number three, being a work at home mom makes things easier. Uh, Jenny, you and I both work sort of non-traditional um, jobs in the sense that, you know, it's not an office nine to five. So that one, I was like, oh, I'll be, I'll be set. I'll be, I'll be ready for this. Um, so yeah, that is that those were the top three probably for me that set up my expectations about what, what motherhood was going to be like. So there's a lot here. Clearly this could be a two two parter or a topic that we come back to in the future. Um, Cause there's a couple here, a th- couple things here that we would definitely want to discuss. Um, but we can just take some time to dispel a few of these. Now let's pick our top, our top three and just kind of dig into them. Um, I'm going to pick one. So Melissa, this, and this, this one actually was a big one for me. Did you feel an immediate bond with your baby right after birth? Uh, yes, the immediate bond. Um, short answer, no. <laughs> um, at least not how it's portrayed in the movies and on television. Um, it, it was funny because I think it was like a month in and my college roommate reached out to me and she was like, how, how are you doing? How's the baby? Um, how are things going? And I, at first I remember just sort of putting on this facade and I was like, oh, everything is great. You know, things are good. You know, I have a handle on it. And I remember her just pausing and being like, Melissa is me. You could be honest. And I remember just breaking down a little bit and being like, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I just, and she, she was like, let me just stop you right there. She's like, let me tell you my experience. And she did. She laid out sort of this timeline. She was like, listen, um, for the first two months, I did not feel a crazy strong connection with my child. She was like, I got no sleep. I, um, I was up all night and she was like, I really didn't like him. And then she's like, but it starts to shift. She's like, at three months, it, it, you know, you start to feel things growing. And then she's like, at six months, you start to get into this groove. And she's like, they start expressing themselves a lot more. And she's like, you just sort of develop this bond over time. And she's like, by nine months, she's like, I 
was completely in love with my kid and I couldn't imagine not having him. And she's like, it still didn't mean that he didn't drive me crazy at times, but she's like, it, it shifted. And you know, Jenny, not for nothing, but that's pretty, it was pretty on point for me. Like at three months, I started to, to get into a groove by six months. I was, I, I really felt, started to feel bonded with my daughter. And then by nine months I was like, damn, like I'm, I'm in love with this. I'm in love with this kid. And, but I think there, I think there's a difference. And I, I didn't realize that until after I went through the newborn stage is that you can absolutely love your child and not be in love with motherhood, not instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It takes a little bit while to get into that groove. And, and I think it took, you know, like a, a little while for me to both be in love with my baby and then also start to love motherhood in the way that it's portrayed. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I totally get it. What was your experience? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I quickly discovered and which you saw, cause you were at the hospital with me, um, <laughs> is that I'm, I'm a very much of a realist mom. Um, as much as I had notions of what kind of mother I would be, I very quickly adapted to what was real. Um, I love my kids. Like any mother, that feeling is infinite. It's unending. But at first meeting of this tiny person who kept me up all night, cried a lot, ate, threw up all over me pretty consistently and then slept. Um, I really didn't like them very much. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. And I say that with the most love in my heart because you can 110% love someone, but not like them in the moment. You don't have to like everyone all the time. These are my children. I love them, but I don't always like them. (laughs) Um, And I, and this comment I'm I'm making it and I'm putting it out there because I really want to highlight that this is one of those isms that, we want to really change the conversation around this. It's okay to bring your baby home and be scared. It's okay to bring your baby home and not love being a mom. That one's totally fine. And it's okay to bring your baby home and feel resentful. That happens. We all feel that, but I don't think anyone talks about it. No, um, I very distinctly remember after the twins were born, I have twin girls. After they were born, um, I was sitting on the couch, really a mess, no sleep, bottle feeding, up all night. And uh, Melissa came in in the morning, freshly showered, (laughs) smelled, did not smell like puke, and was like, good morning. How are the babies? And I was like, you better take that (laughs) cheerfulness out the door as we're trying to get out of my my face. (laughs) Now, to be fair. Let me let me back up because I'm not a jerk, everybody. But to be fair, there's a lot of factors to consider with that. Um, it's not just you know, it's not just cut and dry. It's not black and white. Um, an example I want to something I want to bring up, not an example. Something I really want to talk about is um, the real hormonal changes after you give birth. Um, now, for me, no one talked about hormonal hormonal changes or fallout after you give birth. You're you're handed your baby, and you're wheeled out of the hospital. And you don't really have any guidance from anybody on what to be aware of for your own physical and mental health needs after giving birth. And this applies to C-sections and natural birth. Um, Our bodies have natural methods to childbirth. And, you know, I'm only going to focus on the hormone portion here. There's a lot of other things we can discuss in which we will. Um, 
some of the research I did um, referencing National Library of Medicine at childbirth and directly after um, your endorphin levels are off the charts. Um, it's meant to make your make the mother alert. It's also meant to make the mother feel um, euphoric after birth, be more attentive. And in that very early per- postpartum period, the endorphins with the oxytocin, um, they play a role in strengthening the mother-infant relationship. So it's just something that biologically um, is, is necessary. Our bodies put that into play for us, which is great. But then you go home. And reality hits, um, the endorphins wear off and you might not be alone with a tiny person, but now you have a tiny person that you have to care for and the dishes are piling up and everything's kind of a mess and it's all on your plate. Um, there was an article on, uh, parents.com, I think a couple years back, um, uh, that kind of, that discussed this and every woman is going to um, go through this differently and going to experience this differently. But the research I found suggested that at about six months postpartum, your hormones will begin to regulate. Now that's not everybody. That's just, you know, a, a mild time frame there. They're making this suggestion. Um, but once your hormones begin to balance back out, you're, you know, going to start to feel better supposedly, but even if your hormones are balancing back out, well, now you're sleep deprived. You're worried about your baby. You're trying to find a rhythm with your new life. In some instances, you're dealing with your child being sick, which I had that situation on my hands. And Melissa, I think you had a situation on your hands too, um, that you're going to get into a little bit. Um, you know, and then outside of, you know, caring for your child, some women, have to worry about whether they even have adequate maternity leave. You know, there's there's a lot that is there for women to have to deal with. And, you know, it's there's not a lot of support from our society. We don't put that support in place. And it's just, it's not right. And it's just all on our shoulders. So yes, of course, there, there's going to be a lot that you're dealing with directly thereafter. And even for the first few years, um, this is not a situation. It's not a forum where I'm going to make any kind of recommendations on treatments or anything like that. I'm not a healthcare professional. Um, what I want to say here is that if you are experiencing distress or feel like you're just not yourself after childbirth, if you have that that gut feeling that something is off, you have to be your own advocate. You have to go and demand support from your doctor. Don't be ashamed of turning to your circle of support from your family or your friends um, for help. If you do any research before you have a child, it really should also include what happens to your body after giving birth and what you can proactively do to support yourself. Because in the end, you really have to be able to get through this and and make it happen. So that's really something that I want to put out there to everybody. Um, A big component is making sure that you have the knowledge to help yourself out. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, our, our, our podcast is just one small outlet, but I think it adds up, you know, the more women are talking about this, the more women will hear about it. And the more I think it becomes normalized to have these conversations. And I think both you and I would have been better prepared um, if, if more public forums were talking about this. Uh, and I think it also speaks to these immediate post postpartum care myths. Um, you know, you constantly hear your body knows exactly what to do. Just let it happen. (laughs) 
after your six-week checkup, everything's going to be right back to normal. Your pre-pregnancy body will bounce right back. Um, and you know, my favorite breastfeeding is natural. Instinctually, <laughs> you'll know what to do. Um, can, I, can I please tell you how much anxiety that caused me as a new mom and the guilt I felt because I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so in case you didn't know, cousin, which brings us into one of our, our um, dispelling another myth is that breastfeeding has made a serious uh, comeback um, right now. So when we were growing up, um, breastfeeding rates were pretty different. So plugging CDC uh, statistics here, about 55% of women initiated breastfeeding in the 80s and, and approximately 16% of women were exclusively breastfeeding at six months. Um, but as of 2020, 83% of new mothers started breastfeeding, and at six months, 58% of babies still received breast milk with 25 exclusively. So that's a pretty wow. Big, that's right? a big jump. Wow, that's a big shift in in these newborn trends. And I'm not um, what I'm doing here today. I'm not knocking breastfeeding by any means. It really does have some um, research proven. Uh, benefits, you know, for both babies and moms. It is amazing process. Um, but I think what, what I've taken issue is that with this shift in these postnatal trends comes a lot of pressure to breastfeed and sometimes not all the proper um, supports in place. Uh, and from my experience and those in my immediate circle, uh, it can be a real source of mom guilt and, and, and create sort of this postpartum anxiety. Um, you know, before my daughter was born, I kept hearing, you're going, you're going to breastfeed, right? Like it was a, it was an assumption. <laughs> and, um, that was followed by, don't worry, your body will know exactly what to do. Your baby will know exactly what to do. It's instincts. Um, I heard that from my doctor. I heard that from the staff of the hospital after my mm -hmm. daughter was born. I heard it from the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. Um, the only ones that were not saying that were my close friends and family. Uh, so there's definitely some sort of disconnect between the new mothers themselves and I think the healthcare professionals a lot of the times. Um, did you have the same feeling, cousin? You know, as you were talking, all I was thinking about was how <laughs> was how when you are initially in, when you're in the hospital and you're before, after you have your baby. Um, they automatically wheel the breastfeeding machine in. Like they have to. I mean, they they're healthcare people, so they do need to do certain. There's certain checks and balances. Like I, I get that. I've worked in healthcare for a really long time. Like I get it. But there's posters everywhere, and there's they bring it in. And if you say no, I'm not going to do it. Like I did for my twins. Um, oh. You kind of you kind of get the stink eye. I'm I'm not going to lie. With my son, I I did I did do my due diligence. I tried, and I wanted to make sure he got that. Um, the important that I can't remember the colostrum. I'm not saying it right, guys. Listeners, don't don't get me for that one. Um, that initial burst um, is very vitamin packed, and I wanted to make sure all the my kids gold. the liquid gold. <laughs> yes, thank you. And um, that was important to me. I wanted to make sure they had that benefit. But with the twins, I knew I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed them. I already had a one year old. I had my twins. Like that was a lot on my plate already. And again, survival. I was like, I need to make this work for me and my, kill my kids. 
I'm going to have to bow out of this. They'll be okay. Like I'll make sure I do everything I'll, you know, everything I can for them. Um, but yeah, so that that's, I was thinking all of that while you were talking. Yeah. So we're here to tell you and me personally, after three different uh, consultations with lactation um, consultants, uh, after a tongue tie release for my uh, baby girl and about a grand later, it's okay if breastfeeding doesn't come naturally and causes you stress. Um, You know, one of the first things that the lactation consultant said was breastfeeding is hard in the beginning period. And if it doesn't work out, your baby will still be perfectly happy and healthy. And that immediately made me feel better, like immediately. Um, You know, I put so much pressure on myself in the beginning. I was determined to breastfeed my daughter. Uh, Being adopted as an infant, as you know, cousin, but for our listeners, um, it was just something that I was set on from the get-go when I found out I was pregnant. Um, And we did it. We breastfed probably a little bit too long, uh, but it came at a cost. It really, it really created a lot of anxiety in the beginning, um, and those first six weeks were tough. Um, it was so much work in the beginning. I literally feel like I didn't have a freaking clue what I was doing. Yeah, um, was she getting enough milk? Was my supply okay? Is she positioned right? And that's all normal. I just didn't know it at the time because no one mm-hmm. talks about. No one mm-hmm. was really talking about it at the time. Um, well, but there are thousands and thousands of mothers that feel the same way. Um, the other thing I was going to point out just now that um, you you lightly touched on is that um, you had a legitimate – there was actually a legitimate physical situation with your daughter that um, you actually had to get taken care of. And that's why yeah. the, the latching wasn't accident. working. We, exactly. We, we the reason why I want to point that out is because if you're feeling frustrated about something and you are are getting a sense that, again, something is not right, I'm going to say this probably on almost every single podcast because I feel very strongly about this. You have to advocate for yourself and in this instance, for your kids. Because if you sense that something is not right, I would, I would bet money that something is not right. And you know and you innately know, and everyone will tell you, no, you're crazy, but you need to dig in deep and you need to do what you need to do to get your point across because people will always tell you you're crazy, be crazy and make it happen. Oh yeah. And like for any of our listeners out there, if anyone has to deal with what's called a posterior tongue tie, that, (laughs) that is very common in newborns, please DM us on Instagram because I will be more than happy to do that. But but with your daughter, the same thing. There was something and it was a simple in my case, it was a very simple um, laser procedure where they just kind of clipped the tongue and it everything was fine. But, you know, had I not done that, there could have been ramifications later with you mm-hmm. know solid foods and things, things that we easily avoided. Um, but I've really had to advocate for my daughter and for myself uh, until they realized, oh, you know what, you 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 are right. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll 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 get this taken care of. You know. Um, I- but all of that to say, debunked breastfeeding isn't always instinctual. <laughs> And just from our two stories alone, cousin, you can hear that the breastfeeding journey looks different for everyone. Yeah. Um, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if breastfeeding doesn't work out, it's okay. Um, 
this really hit home for me recently. The reason why I I brought this up on this episode of the podcast is because my friend called me about two weeks ago. And for whatever reason, her her baby is not handling her milk well. Um, And she was like, I have to stop. And she felt guilty. And she said, well, she called and said, well, you you as a baby didn't get breast milk, right? And you were okay, right? And I immediately told her, yes, I did not, as a as an adopted infant, I did not get one ounce of breast milk. And I was a healthy, happy child who was completely bonded with my mother. Um, so, so I wanted to help put that to rest for her. Um, and I thought I we could kind of do the same to anybody that's listening. But anyway, so please, my biggest tip for new moms when it comes to breastfeeding is one, get support, reach out. Um, There are certified lactation consultants, usually through your hospital, your OBGYN or your pediatrician that do take insurance um, and vet them like you would any other professional because some are absolutely amazing and some are eh. And I wish I had done that sooner, you know? Um, And also uh, either join a local breastfeeding mom group or you can join one virtually on Facebook because you will see that you are not alone. When I tell you that there are thousands of women who feel anxious and unsure about breastfeeding, there really are. Um, I didn't even know those existed until another new mom told me about them, but it really helped me feel better um, that I was not alone and that this whole newborn um, process, it was that it was okay to feel unsure, you know, um, and then lastly, I just want to say, again, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. It's it. breastfeeding or not. It doesn't say anything about you as a mother. It says nothing about your bond with your baby, period. Um, and I think that's something, you know, that even though the shift towards breastfeeding is a good development for mm-hmm. health reasons, it's, it's, we also have to play the flip side of that and say, you know what, though, if you give it a try or if you decide not to, it's OK. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you're any less of a mother. Yeah, of course not. The benefits are real. Breast milk is amazing. It has healing properties. It's awesome. But again, if you can't do it or you, you just you just can't feasibly wrap your head around it. OK, you're fine. It's OK. My kids were all bottle fed. They're all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> drive me crazy, but they're all right. (laughs) Um, Okay. I think we have time for one more and I want (laughs) to dig into this one a little bit. Um, The next debunk, the next myth we want to debunk is that your baby brings you closer to your partner. Now, before anyone gets too riled up, I want to provide a little bit of clarification here. Yes. Let's let's just, let me, let me, let me pick this apart a little bit. Yes. After you have your baby, you will lovingly see your partner with your child and be overwhelmed for both with love for both of them. This happens to me consistently to this day. When I see my, my husband with my kids, it just brings up this just overwhelming feeling. I love oh, that. Yes. No, I can attest to that myself too, because I remember after getting, um, after having a C-section and unplanned C-section as well, cousin, mm-hmm. um, I remember Matt holding our daughter and he was doing a lot of that heavy lifting the first day, obviously. And he just kept holding her in this loving embrace. And whenever I would see that, even to this day, I still picture that moment in my head and you're 
your heart just bursts, right? <laughs> With warmth. It's like that cliche notion. But but those aren't the moments we're talking about. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about those nice gushy. We're not. That's not what we're here for. We're not here for those nice. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is outside of those moments. Now, there was an article published in the Washington Post um, a couple years back um, that noted a staggering 67% of couples in a study reported a decline in their relationship satisfaction after the arrival of their first baby. The decline typically shows up between six months for women and nine months for men after the baby comes. Sounds about right. Another set of research has found from... Um, was from another, it was an online article, good2.com. Um, new research had found a fifth of couples break up during the first 12 months after welcoming their new arrival. Among the most common reasons for separating were dwindling sex lives, which I mean, obvious reasons, yeah. a lack of communication, which is wildly rampant. And again, no one talks about it and constant arguments. Now it's not going to be everybody. Some people don't experience that at all. Some people will um, actually travel through that challenge together as a unit and it unifies them. That's amazing. But that's also not everybody. And what I want to bring to the attention here is while everybody wants to show that image and make it seem like everyone is going to go through this together and they're going to hold hands through the whole thing and there's not going to be any problems. That's not the case. And it's extremely critical to talk about this because you're going to have these dark times in that first year, couple years even, where it is hard. You are both sleep deprived. You know, there's just so much going on. There's a lot of adjustments and there's an actual legitimate physical adjustment in women's brains that happen after they gave birth. There were, um, there's a study and I'm actually kind of annoyed at myself because I did not have time to pull the actual study up to reference it. Um, but there was an actual study done that took images of women's brains before and after giving birth. And it shows an actual physical change in a woman's brain. Now this happens, um, as a biological reaction to having a baby and it adjusts the mother's, um, way of thinking so that they can better care for their child. This adjustment does not happen to men. So that difference alone is going to set you apart from your partner. And in times where you're going to be like, I don't understand why you innately don't, don't do this. Well, it's because they don't have that physical reaction. It's honestly not their fault. And making sure that you know that and anyone listening if you've already been down this path or maybe you're about to go down this path, I, I want you to hear this. This is like a, a something you can't control and it's not your partner's fault. It's not your fault. This is just meant to happen this way. The best way to combat <laughs> any ill feelings after you have a baby and, and all that happens is to take time to clearly communicate yourself and your feelings Absolutely. to your partner. You, you have to take that step. Absolutely. And and you have to remember also, this is happening during those, those months, especially where you're sleep deprived. You're adjusting to this new life. And, um, and you might not, like we said, because it's really not talked about, you might not have even been aware that this was going to possibly be a bump in the road. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I remember, I remember because like I mentioned, um, you know, during the, the PhD program and then during, uh, in, even now during my postdoc stage, it's, I don't have that typical nine to five. So my schedule was a lot more flexible. And I remember mm-hmm. I would watch my husband go off and he had to go to work, but he was able to kind of li- live that pre-baby life from nine to five, you know, and <laughs> walk out that door, take care of himself, you know, focus on work and and then come back and then do the sort of fun dad things. And I, I remember feeling sort of this resentment growing. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I did was instead of, you know, just trying to swallow that and keep it to myself, I had a conversation with him and we yeah. talked through and that was the key. That was the key to not letting it fester and bubble over, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I was actually going to say that, you know, I was, I was extremely fortunate because my husband has a lot of wisdom and <laughs> he, he, he's very wise and he, he brings a lot of communication to the table. I work in communications as a profession. So I already have my own set of communication skills, but he brought this wisdom to the table and combining it with, you know, us learning these communication skills together as a couple and how we work together. And he, it just, it helped so much and continues to help to this day because having kids is hard. My six-year-old consistently tells me, Oh, mommy, three kids is so hard. I'm like, you, you got that right. <laughs> like, you know, and that's why it, it's, it's very important. Like, you know, clearly communicating with your partner and taking into account, like, this isn't just you. And while we all have this problem now, and I'm going to call it a pandemic of social media, where all you see is the glitzy, glossy photos of everyone smiling, but you don't see the 150 photos in between where the baby puked all over somebody and someone's crying and somebody fell and somebody's throwing a tantrum and then you're screaming at each other, but then click, you smile. And then you go back into the, the mayhem and the chaos. Like, let's be real people. Oh, that's like a thing, right? A be real. I, I have some friends that told me about that. Let's be real people. Like, you don't have to be picture perfect. This is life. Life is messy and it's awesome. So just go with the flow and like, just go with it. And live um, in your moment. Don't live, live in your moment. Yes, not exactly. Not else's moment or not moments that you think somebody had because they're on a pretty picture in Instagram, you know? Mm-hmm. And one thing like, you know, I want to say, and I hope everyone takes away here is you have to do what's right for you. I'm a big like survival mode person. You need to do what's right for you, right for your kids, and right for your husband. At the end of the day, those are the only people that really matter. You have to take care of each other. Um, So there's a lot to cover on the myths of motherhood. Um, But our hope is that a little of what we have discussed has helped to bring some clarity and perhaps relief to some of you. Um, If you think this information will help anyone you know, please relay the information or share the podcast. It's just very important to myself and Melissa that – the word is spread out there. We're going to change the conversation here. We want it. We want to make this a world of difference for everybody out there to know that what they're going through is normal and they aren't alone. And maybe we can have some laughs along the way while we yes. do this. <laughs> um, Melissa, do you have any thoughts on key takeaways? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you hit again, the nail again on the head, but um we 
our whole purpose here is you are allowed to feel the way you feel. And based on your experience, more than likely, this is a normal process. Um, you're you're allowed to feel overwhelmed. Do not fall for that superwoman syndrome. And this applies whether you have children or not. Um, the, the pressures that we put on ourselves, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. The pressures that society puts on us, it's okay to not be able to handle that all at once and with all of these different balls that you're juggling in the air. Um, and again, going back to the topic at that we've covered today, do not feel ashamed for your feelings after having a baby. And, and really, I think this is key. Talk to someone that you can trust, you know, um, whether it's a small group of friends, whether it's a family member, someone that you feel will place zero judgment on you, have a real conversation, talk about what you're feeling, uh, because it, it, it feels so much better when you do you know, um, and, and give your time to adjust, find your rhythm in your own time. Uh, a lot of what we talked about are these preconceived notions that everything is supposed to go smoothly immediately after the baby comes and that you're, you're supposed to know exactly what to do. Your body knows exactly what to do. And I think we've successfully (laughs) debunked some of these things. Um, and just give yourself that time to find your rhythm because, a majority of us really do, but you, I, I wish I had someone telling me what we're talking about now, because it would have been a much smoother journey, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, we really appreciate everybody listening today. Um, we hope it brought again, some, some clarity, peace of mind, maybe some laughs. I don't know (laughs) to, to some of you out there. Um, thank you again. Um, and we'll, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, guys.